so today we are gonna jump right into season two episode 23 blues for sister someone which was written by elizabeth claviter and directed by jeff melman melman yeah jeff melman not a mailman Mm-mm. no different mm. um blues for sister someone is a lenny kravitz jam I've never heard this. Song. I haven't either, and Me I neither. feel like I'm pretty familiar with Lenny Kravitz. I know a girl who gets off by sticking needles in her vein. I had his greatest hits album. You're not? Mm. I only so sexy. look at him in his low slung yeah. jeans. When I was a kid, I was watching Lenny Kravitz. That music video for Fly Away. Oh, I want to yeah. get away. And my parents walked in. I think I was watching VH1. And they immediately, my dad just banned all music channels. Based on Lenny Kravitz, like, not having a shirt on during the song Fly Away. I mean, also his jeans legitimately are just, like, so Painted on to yeah. his dick. <laughs> I still, I'd like to interview my dad about that moment. Be like, what did you see in that video? What was it? Because I didn't watch music videos again until high school because I was a deeply Catholic guilty child. Wow. And I was like, oh, I'm not allowed. I'm not allowed. Man, I think There's it probably did something channels. for him. <laughs> you know? Like, Ooh, I think he probably saw it and was like, there. I don't like the way this makes me feel and thus my daughter cannot see this. <laughs> this is spicy. I like it. Mm. Just now saying. I'm definitely going to interview him. <laughs> but before I interview him, I'm going to interview Megan in the way of making her do the rounds. <laughs> it's time This is for a the forced rounds. behavior. <laughs> All right. Insert trumpet solo. <laughs> we take turns like good children, and yeah. it's your turn now. Yeah. I'm the youngest child, so I don't really believe in taking turns. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an only child, and I still believe in taking turns. I'm the oldest well. child, and this explains a lot about my co host. It really does. <laughs> All right, Megan, so I don't have my phone with me to do a timer. Do you, Catrice? Uh, I can, I can no. time myself. All right. <laughs> Is that cheating? Scout's honor, <laughs> Megan. How long am I giving myself? Uh, 30 seconds. Okay. Count me down. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> three, two, one. All right, so we have Eugene Foote, who is a violin player and wants to have his pacemaker removed because he's it's completely fucked with his rhythm um, as a musician. Christina and Burke are on this case. Then we have Rose, who has like a thousand children, and she's in the hospital pregnant with her seventh child. And um, she wants to have a secret tubal ligation for um, with Addison. And then we have um, a divorce lawyer whose name is Mrs. Kramer, I think. And she's having her brain mapped so she can get rid of her seizures. And then we have Denny, who is still in the hospital and still won't die. Not a big deal, but that was exactly 30 seconds. Wow. <laughs> snaps. <laughs> snaps. I've been snapping a lot today with the poetry readings. So snaps. This does sound like slam poetry. It's it's making me angry. <laughs> <laughs> gotten all of my students to start snapping oh, just God. like at various points during class and I think they partially hate themselves for it but also like can't not do it now it's so mm. cheesy. I'm really proud of it <laughs> cool great all summary right. great <laughs> so I I think we have to start off well we always start this way but I think we got to talk about the monologue and yeah. opening the, monologue. the opening scene in this episode is Derek and Addison having sex in the trailer and kind of laughing at each other and then one of them says something to the effect of like wow that was the most boring sex ever 
and then it pans to Callie and George having what I no, think it were opens supposed- with Callie and George. Oh, yeah, sorry, opens my mistake. More yeah. terrible. I clearly blacked yeah. it out. Like the first, like the first thing we see is like. George writhing on top of Callie. <laughs> well, we don't see it. They're completely under covers. Yeah. And do people oh, have yeah. sex? But like he that? still like rolls off Callie. No, it would be guy. so hot in there. And does right? like the but pants. Here's the like, thing. <sighs> that was awesome. I think that we're supposed to believe that that's like really good sex is yeah. happening there. Obviously. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. yes. You I, know it. Like, uh, is it? <laughs> it's awful. It's like, and and so my question is this: This is going to be my first query of this episode. Is yeah, which is worse, Derek and Addison having incredibly boring sex, or yeah. Callie and George having any sex at all? Callie and George having any sex at all? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna at go least Derek and Meredith at this at the end of the day they're hot Did you together. Say Derek and Meredith. Oh my god! Ooh, oh, wow. slip. That was bad. <laughs> at least Derek and Addison are hot together even when yeah. they're having boring well, sex. Well, it's because they're both good looking and George Yeah, looks George like a is hobbit. just bringing Callie down. Also Callie mm. has really bad hair when she's yeah, first that introduced. Too. It's bangs, like it's bangs. like an ultra long mullet. Oh yeah. It's so bad. It's, it's like so a curly bad. ultra long mullet. Yeah, she doesn't become her true form. Yeah, until later. Later. No. I also, I, I don't know. So, do people actually say thank you after they have sex? <laughs> hmm. Do you say that? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think I've ever said I mean, thank you. I don't think so. You know what? I, that, I strike that. I think I have said thank you after a particularly good session of sex or like if it's been a while. Just like, oh my God, yeah. thank you. Okay. But it's always but that I don't kind think of thank that's you. like. I okay. don't think it's, like, my immediate thing that I say. No. You know? I'm not like, oh, God, gratitude. <laughs> yeah. Th- thank you just sounds like, oh, thanks, thanks you for just gave me a me. fruit basket. Or, like, th- thanks for this nice cheese box. Like, yeah. not like, oh, you just rocked my world. There's, yeah. a, there's a euphemism in there. <laughs> cheese box. <laughs> oh, yum. Both ways. <laughs> Did you eat that cheese box? <laughs> I would go Did to I? town on that cheese box. <laughs> All right. Well, so, good. Yeah. <laughs> the average Grey's watchers definitely still tuned in. Um, definitely. Yeah. Well, it's... they had those thoughts, too, about this unrealistic sex. <laughs> I, I'm, I found the sex between Callie and George, uh, you know, disturbing on on many levels just deeply upsetting but i also found and i really fixated on this i should say when i watched this to recap it and when i watched it uh at a separate time with gina i really fixated on how addison derek takes a call after they've had their really boring sex Mm -hmm. and addison believes that he's on the phone with their vet right Talking about Doc, the dying dog, just mm-hmm. been dying for an entire season. And Addison, mm-hmm. like, grabs the phone away from him and is like, I'm really sorry, but we are trying to have hot sex after the it. most boring sex ever. Or, like, whatever she says. We're just, like, trying to have really hot sex right now. <laughs> Bye! And, like, giggles <laughs> and they hang up. And it ends up, you know, the reveal is that it was Meredith on the other line. <laughs> but... <laughs> What in the fuck was Addison thinking saying that to a veterinarian? 
who, as mm. far as we know, is a stranger to yeah. this, just really bothered me. It made me feel like Addison might be a crazy person. Yeah. Well, they. I feel like they have been trying to write Addison, and I don't know if they're trying to make her more like human or like unveil some like humanity in her. But like sometimes she's very awkward. Yes, you know, and it feels like really out of step. And we talked about this maybe maybe in the last episode, but maybe the one before that of like the like when she shows up as like the bad bitch in Prada, and like she's all in black when she first shows up, and she's like so horrifyingly beautiful <laughs> and scary, and like. This is like such a departure from that. And I and I, I don't quite know what they like. I'd love to know where the writer's heads were at with her character, right? Like we're supposed to feel like really sad for her in her like sex drought, you know? And then now she's being really awkward and uncomfortable. And I just like, I can't quite, I don't know. Like I feel like really not sure how to feel about her character after previously feeling like pretty sure that she's a badass, scary doctor. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. Like, I, I hear you. And I think that it's, like, part of the reason that it feels so awkward is because it's Addison. And it's, like, that's not that's not how I think of her as being, like, awkward and trying to be funny but not really succeeding. <laughs> really not succeeding. I mean, here's sort of my hypothesis is that bad bitch attitude was sort of a farce. Like, Addison throughout the seasons is way more awkward than she is bad bitch. And yeah. then they keep writing her as awkward, like, you know, cut to the future when she goes to California to private practice. She's, like, so fucking awkward and is constantly doing these, like, weird things where she's telling people inappropriate things. I think that's just honestly yeah. who she is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think you're right. And it's, like, kind of disappointing, but also, like, makes her a little bit more believable. Yes. Except, or, you know what I mean? Like, realistic. Except I was absolutely taken out of the scene when she said that, too. I just can't, I just can't imagine, yeah. like, a professional woman ever, just like a normal, accomplished, mentally sound woman You're saying to a like stranger, <laughs> she came off like a psychopath to me, you guys. How does the vet, how does hot vet not drop them immediately? Like, oh, that crossed a line for me and i well hotbed doesn't hear it i can't see you anymore i guess that's true because yeah, it it's was meredith. meredith and meredith's like she is so weird <laughs> and meredith's just unfazed because she has so much shit going on in her life that she's like well yeah she's whatever it was actually probably a nice phone call for her to to hear <laughs> that like oh addison's crazy so i've got They're a chance bad sex mm, i've mm, got a chance great sex yeah yeah um, oh, weird intro. Just, yeah, just, just a, a lot, lot of setting talk. Yeah. I will say this feels like very realistic of a couple that's been together for a long time, though. It's like you don't yeah. always have like fucking hot sex. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you just have totally. run of the mill, like boring sex. Yeah. Especially right. your first uh, was this was their first time since the separation. I think so. Right? Yeah. That yeah. would be hella awkward. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. No, I think that's a really good point, Patrice. <laughs> I think that it's like it is kind of like a nice that is true. And I think that that's kind of, like, a nice thing to be reminded of, that, like, they have been married for 12 years or something like that and have gone through something hard. And it's like, wow, that's, like, a lot of pressure. I think that, that's something I hadn't considered. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's our that's our bizarro opening. And then we've also got Meredith's interaction with Hot Vet. On to people who are not having sex. So hot. Right. So hot, that right. Vet. But, <clears throat> like, a little bit too forward for me, ultimately. He's very bold. Yeah. We'll so we a, all noted yeah. this. Yeah. That like, he's like immediately. <clears throat> so he literally says to her, like, 
Doc's, you know, the dog is 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 <laughs> that fine. You know, run some tests. He's, but he to says like he's not dying. To paraphrase, Cliff. no, that's not at all what he says. He's like he's not dying. <laughs> yeah, he says he's fine. We have to wait for the tests. But, but he's not, and he's she's good. like, he's not dying. And then Finn's like, he's not dying. And then she's like, he's like, will you, would you like to have dinner with me? And here's my one argument. Yes, it is too forward. Yes, I think it's uncomfortable. Yes, I think this is another moment where Grey's Anatomy does not age well because nobody likes forward men anymore because <laughs> nobody really likes men anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> I have to say that if a vet that attractive and I was that lonely and that single came out and said, your dog is not dying... I would go out with them. Yeah. <laughs> like, just that point. combination of words, I, you know, I would just be like, wow, you know, that's really great news, and I would love to have dinner with you. <laughs> Your dog is fine. I have dinner with me. Yeah. Okay. Grace. Yeah. Done. I can sure. see that. There's sure. a world sure. in which that makes sense to sure. me. I've I never seen I'm an also... attractive vet, though, so. <laughs> I, mean, I know. Right? Truth. <laughs> Sorry, vets. If you're an attractive vet, Send you us can a pic. Email your picture to us at codegraze at gmail. Slide right into my DMs. <laughs> we are so happy to hear from any hot vet, male or female. Especially if you have lots of pictures with like horses or dogs mm-hmm. or not cats. Oh, Don't yeah. care. Uh, but, no, I care about cats. Oh, That's right, cute. Patrice. Patrice cares about cats. <laughs> anyway. We're gonna try to not hold that against you. Okay, so what is guys? <laughs> We're not hot so, vet photos. No, we're not asking for sexually explicit photos. That's true. Just that's a great point. Photos. That's a great point. Excited. Anyway, excited to see what shows up. <laughs> so, I want to talk about Meredith and Finn and their first date. So she says yes, and I think what? that. Um, I know. So she says yes to the date, and they go on a date eventually later on in this episode. Um, and I, I think that they actually write Finn's character so well in this show because he is so, first of all, he's like very attractive. Like he's very physically attractive and he is so charming. And and like you kind of get the sense that he gets Meredith almost right away. And and I'm wondering what you guys think of bringing her to the horse birthing thing. Like mm. if you're like freaked out by that or taken with it, or I don't know, like, I'm just curious, like what your guys' sort of takeaway from that is. Personally, very into it, but I'm also like a weirdo who has been to many human births. So, and I find them Ooh. fascinating. Uh, yeah. Really? Side note, I used I to have be a, a lot doula. of follow-up questions. Uh, <gasps> so yeah. So if, <laughs> Megan, if someone Megan's face right now, <gasps> If someone invited me on a date and they were like, do you want to go see this animal give birth? I'd be like, oh my God, how did you fucking know? How did you know? Yeah. (laughs) So I'd be really into it. And then I would very quickly uh, go upstairs to their apartment and not even pretend like I was celibate like Meredith is. (laughs) Yeah. And and I see see that, that Megan is in agreement with the horse birthing. And I feel like... I feel like I have a hot take here mm-hmm. and it's that I don't like animals that much. So, <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not big on animals. I, I like some dogs. That doesn't mean I'm going to like your dog. You know what I mean? I like, I like most dogs, but I don't like universally love dogs. So watching a horse give birth, uh, <laughs> I'd probably pass. I, th- I think I'd pass. I'm just saying, you can tell a lot about a man by the way he handles a placenta. So. Yeah. 
By the way, mm. he takes a, a, a newborn calf just right into his... They're called foals. Calf. Can I just call it right now and say that I don't have a line of the week because my favorite line of the week is that Patrice just said you can tell a lot about a man by the way he handles a placenta. Line of the week. So just like yeah. a little call back to that. I think that's great. In like, you know... I'll be sure to I'll be sure to bring it back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. not sure that I agree with that claim, but but I like it nonetheless. Okay, okay so you're anti horse birth. Totally hear that. I am very pro horse birth, um, and I think that it sort of demonstrates <laughs> and that Patrice is pro all that, births. Yes, so, yeah, pro right, all births. Right, I am not pro all births. If somebody said let's go to this human birth. I would run the other way. Well, I feel and then very weird about why they were inviting me to a human birth. And then yes. I would ask, did you ask the birthing person if we could come to their birth? Seems like a very awkward yeah. first date. I would not mm. be into that. Okay. All right. Just so, okay. So my fundamental question that I want to ask before we move on from Meredith and the vet is he's really charming. He's very attractive. He seems to know Meredith very well, very quickly. And, and they write him, in my opinion, they write his character very well at a time when you know that Meredith is unavailable. And I think that that makes it like a really heartbreaking storyline. But he's also like kind of cocky, right? He asks her out right away. He has like a kind of annoying speech to Meredith toward the end of the episode. Um, what are, and I was led to this by thinking about him as a character and trying to sort of describe him. What are the meaningful differences between Derek and Finn? in terms of who they are as sort of men who are, you know, in Meredith's life. Because I was sort of led to, my my two cents on it is that, like, I actually don't know that there's that many meaningful differences between them. Because Derek's a super cocky guy, right? Finn is, like, very quick to, to sort of be overbold with Meredith in a way that, like, we know that she's kind of attracted to. And I was like, I don't really know how these two men are really fundamentally different. And maybe that's what makes it such a hard storyline. But I don't know. That's my question. I think they're really similar in that they're both kind of dicks. I, I, I am not impressed with Hot Vet. Hot Vet is hot. Chris O'Donnell can get it. But at the end of this episode, he just straight up tells Meredith to shut up. And it's mm-hmm. playful, not but hot. not playful enough for me. Mm-hmm. It's a first date. And I think what Megan hit on is really important. He seems to know Meredith really well, really fast. And I think that mm-hmm. seems to is important. He doesn't know Meredith from fucking Adam. And I would be wildly uncomfortable if a guy told me to shut up on the first date and it wasn't like, oh my God, shut up, which would be weird anyway. But like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just for other reasons. Yeah. But I just, it doesn't, it doesn't work for me. And I think ultimately I like I like Derek more. I think that Derek is fundamentally more charming than the vet. Mm. I just think he has more mm-hmm. things going for him. I also, I don't know. I think hot vet is hotter than McDreamy. Ooh. I actually agree, but I think it might just be the beard thing. It's the beard. And Derek has uh. a fairly weak chin, which I, that's like, that's sorry, Patrick Dempsey. That's like his one, his great hair, great sparkly eyes, lovely Damn bone weak structure, chin. lovely nose, kind of a weak chin. You know, whereas hot vet, mm. he's, he's got, oh, got, a, got that strong uh, jawline. Strong well, we don't jawline. know that. The beard's covering <laughs> up the chin. It could be weak as well. I was going to say, that's how do you true. know? That's a great point. I just feel it. feel it. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I see very many differences between them either. And obviously we haven't seen a ton of Finn yet. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we recognize that he doesn't immediately turn away from Meredith, even though all of their interactions have been the most awkward thing I've ever seen. Mm. You know, she like doesn't talk to him and only knits. She <laughs> she just like rambles on and on about how Derek's married and she's knitting. Which like, if I was the vet, Finn, I would that would be a red flag to me. I'm like, okay, she's obviously hung up. Yes, on this married mm-hmm. man that she shares a dog with. Uh, number one red flag they share a dog and um i think and maybe i'm just like getting this from later episodes but i think even though finn is presented as very cocky and similarly charming and dreamy like derek i feel like he's maybe a more humble character than derek is but me mm, but are i'm you judging maybe, that on his sweaters alone? yeah it's definitely about the sweaters <laughs> and the fact that he's a vet I yeah mean. <laughs> Um, but maybe I'm just like misremembering because I don't actually remember a ton about Finn and the storyline as it progresses. So maybe I'll take this back. Um, but I also was similarly off put by him telling Meredith to shut up. Like at -hmm. that point, if I was Meredith, I would have left. I wouldn't have gone upstairs to his apartment. But also I think that it's been established that Meredith is flustered and like rambling in front of him. (laughs) And so like. It's sort of like he needs to slap her face and say, yeah. like, okay, stop talking. I get it. You're, like, celibate. We're not going to have sex. <laughs> I just want you to come upstairs so we can keep talking. <laughs> yeah. that's mm. a, That raises a really good point. Like, who among us wouldn't tell Meredith to shut up during one of her, <laughs> during right. one of her mumbly rants, you know? Just like, shut, <laughs> shut, shut up. <laughs> that's a good point. I can see that. Yeah, and then the other thing that we all universally agreed on was when she comes down the stairs after presumably not even having sex with the vet and Derek sees her and the look that Derek gives her Ugh. in that moment, I, I would describe it as like it, it sends ice through my veins um, when he when he it's just that look of just like utter disgust that is it's just it's just awful. It's just awful. Like props to Patrick Dempsey for being able to elicit that like visceral response from me with just his like shitty facial expressions. Yeah. I guess, I guess our friendship isn't going so great after all. He's really good (laughs) with a fallen face. Yeah. Patrick Dempsey. Yes. He's really, it's that weak chin. The weak chin because it kind of collapses in on him. It collapses. It collapses. It crumbles. Should we move into some of our some of our other storylines and patients? I yeah. What did yeah. you guys like? What did you guys think of this episode? I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was um I thought it was really zippy like uh the previous episode. Like I felt like it kept that same momentum, which was fun. It was a fun one to watch. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot going on. There's yeah. a lot of cut scenes. You know, like we're moving mm. from story to story very quickly. Um, mm-hmm. which like. Is enjoyable for me, but makes it so hard to take notes sometimes. I'm like, oh, this thing's going on now. Oh, we're over here now. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I think overall, I enjoyed all of the patients that were presented, with the exception of Eugene Foote. (laughs) I just like... It just Gene feels McFoot, like an... man. <laughs> Gene McFoot. Uh, I had to. Oh, can I just... Gene McFoot? <laughs> I had to stifle a laugh earlier. Like literally, I had myself in my shirt because I was glancing at Megan's notes, which I have not yet read for today, and I just got to Burke and George and Gene McFoot. Okay, Burke. Nobody believes you ran six miles with oh O'Malley God. unless he's in a golf cart next to you. Yeah, let's come back to that. <laughs> 
It's true. What a burn! <laughs> it's very, very true. So true. Yes. Um, there is no way that I can run six miles. Well, oh, also in the fact that Burke is somehow inspired by George uh, to run further. I'm just like, I think my note was like, there's no way that he's inspired by George unless he's looking at George and thinking, that's not what I want to be. Let's run more. <laughs> run away <laughs> yes yeah that's, that's great um so yeah gene mcfoot i think my question <laughs> not gene mcfoot eugene eugene foot it's catchier than gene whatever his I name is gene, gene foot that's our show uh gene, gene foot the i think the, it's eugene, eugene what, what the fuck whatever this eugene. guy's name is the famous trumpeter <laughs> Um, okay, so Eugene Foote. Megan's glasses are off. She's crying. Famous violinist, not a trumpeter. His name is not Gene Foote. I referred to him as a trumpeter throughout my notes. Which... Who really even is this guy? Let's be honest. Well, that, no, really. Okay, why Valid is a trumpeter question. so invested in this violinist? You can be sense. a musician who's invested in other no, musicians. No, no, Why would you spend all of that time? No, no, no. No, there's no cross musicianship. <laughs> trumpeters only no. with trumpeters. Narratively, why would we spend all that time with Burke and his stupid fucking trumpet just for Burke to actually be really into violins? It just didn't track. <laughs> I mean, I think as we discovered later when he's talking about the practice versus <laughs> talent thing. Okay, this show's a wrap, you guys. We're done. <laughs> and that's our show. <laughs> so glad you listened. Please find us everywhere the podcasts are. We know you're not going to listen anymore. <laughs>
your chances aren't great, buddy. I don't know. Well, and and he has the moment where he says, like, you don't have to do it, Burke, but but somebody will. And I would rather have it be have it be you. Yeah. You know? And I think that that's like that's kind of where they they kind of like get off by saying that. Right. Is like, you know, even if Burke won't do it, even if it's like super risky or very, you know, questionable or whatever, um, that, that he will find a surgeon somewhere to do it for him. And so I think that that's where, like, the moral crux of this, the, the, you know, what they want us to believe is sort of the moral crux of this episode is, like, would you do that for your hero, right? Like, would you be willing to, like, give this sort of life, not life-saving, but potentially life-ending procedure yeah. um, to a hero that you have, you know? And I think that that's, like, an interesting question for sure, but it feels like kind of a, like, thinly veiled thing that would never happen in the real world. Yeah. <laughs> Couple couple of medica- medical cases that <laughs> wouldn't happen in the real world this week, but mm-hmm. eh, it's Grey's Anatomy, right? That's what it, that's kind of its <laughs> mm-hmm. whole thing. I was I was a little bit um, unsure if this is if this is even a real <laughs> is this even a real thing. So like he says, his pacemaker throws off his rhythm and his timing, and mm-hmm. I I don't know that that's a real thing. That felt fake to me that didn't feel real but i shouldn't speculate i guess i said i said in my notes that like i i have a friend who has a pacemaker and mm-hmm. uh it is very loud in in silences and things so i so maybe but maybe I, that's the problem like it's hard to keep time yeah if there's a another if there's a constant your time going on yeah but yeah again feels weird and unrealistic but again this is a television show, <laughs> lest we forget. Right. Yeah. I also don't really know what this story, this storyline, this patient served to do, like, in the whole episode. Like, I feel like usually the patients represent something or are moving something forward, and this one felt a little just, like, mm. stagnant to me. I felt like it offered a lot of foreshadowing oh, about yes, yes, yes. storylines to come uh, with regards mm-hmm. to Burke. Yeah. But I think that's for sure true. But yeah, other than that, it was kind of ambiguous. Yeah, I think that it it it's definitely it's there's some foreshadowing that happens. I also think that the um the final moment of of sort of this case after uh, and I totally forgot that Eugene Foote dies in this episode. Same. <laughs> um but I think it's also like uh Patrice, I think you made the point in your notes that like the only thing that Burke and Christina seem to have in common anymore is that they have sex with each other. Like mm. that's like sort of the whole fun, like that's like the whole idea behind their relationship at this point in the, in the, um, in their relationship in the, in the series. But um, one thing that I had sort of forgotten happens is they have this conversation at the very end um, where Burke talks about how he always looked up to McFoot. <laughs> <laughs> for, for being such a practitioner that he said, you know, I wasn't the best the best musician in music school or whatever. I just was the one who practiced the most and worked the hardest. And um, and I think that, and Burke sort of says that to Christina. He says, like, I, I wasn't like you. I wasn't the smartest person in the room. I didn't have the natural talent, but I worked the hardest and I practiced the most. And I think that, like, I was clearly thinking a lot about sort of meaningful differences between characters here. And I think that, like, Burke is trying to sort of strike a meaningful difference here between himself and Christina. That, like, this idea that she has raw talent that needs to be harnessed and he does not and it needs to be practiced. And um, 
And I don't know if that's supposed to like, it's kind of a, a two double-edged sword of like mm. both driving a wedge between them of like naming a difference between these two, like clearly very, very gifted surgeons. But it also reminds us that he's significantly older than her um, and they're in significantly different life stages and they're trying to almost bond them together because of that, um, because they have such a different relationship with like, with this career that seems so similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought a little bit about that, that it was sort of a, a you know, this character that Christina could not empathize with at all. And she was like, whatever, you should just operate on him, take out his pacemaker, and then he dies, you know? And it's like, kind of, like, that's an awful moment for Christina. <laughs> she's um, like, whoops. <laughs> yeah, but like, that, then Not she's that. kind of over it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think it sort of serves as like a conduit um, of their, you know, like reinvesting in their relationship after we have not cared about their relationship for a lot mm. of episodes because he's too busy dating George. Yeah. Okay. I had, I but had other a, than that, I, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I just had a final question, uh, sort of related to, to the storyline, which is for the room, like, who is your Gene McFoot? <laughs> <laughs> I think. <laughs> Sorry. We were I doing really my well. Gene we McFoot. legitimate for a while. I think my Gene McFoot might be Gene McFoot. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, there's only one Gene McFoot. (laughs) Truly. (laughs) Truly. Gene McFoot is your idol? (laughs) He might be. Well, here's the thing is that I was thinking about the question or somebody posed this question of like, could you do that? Like, could you operate on your idol? And my response to it is like, I couldn't ever imagine being as good at anything as Burke is at surgery. So first of all, no, because I could never, I I couldn't imagine like having that kind of talent that he does. And second of all, I'm not somebody who really has, like I have people I really admire. um, But I think for me, it would be really hard for me to operate on a friend. Mm. Like, I think that that's what would be be hardest for me. It's like, it wouldn't have to be like, you know, whoever I admire most or idolize most or celebrity that I, you know, you know, most look up to or whatever. I think for me, it would be hardest for me to, to operate on like a close friend or family member. Mm. Um, Like to me, that's the only equivalent that I could really put myself in the headspace of like, that would really give me pause. Um, Because I just don't, I don't know, like, I don't, there's not somebody that I could really think of as a, as a stranger like that. So yeah, that's my answer. Yeah. What about you guys? Teresa, do you Ooh. have a Jean McFoot? <laughs> Who's your Jean Who's McFoot? Who's my Jean McFoot? Oh boy. Uh, that's, that's a tough one. I feel like all of my Jean McFoots are dead. So, so <laughs> well, they can still be your Jean McFoot. It's not really, I don't have dead, to worry you know, about Jean it. McFoot's dead too. I don't know. It's great. I know. They're just like Gene McFoot, as it turns out. Uh, wow. Super tough. Like, probably Tom York. Mm. Like, Tom York is just like, that dude, man. They're like eight albums in, still fucking rocking it. I'd like, you I'd like drop dead if I met Tom York. No, because I'd be dead in front of his feet. You'd be Gene I'd, I'd be the Gene McFoot of that interaction. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or, or I'd say like, uh, or I'd say like Megan Rapino. Mm. You know, like it's very different. It's definitely either this is Tom deep, York. Mm. It's definitely either Tom York or Megan Rapinoe. This is a sexual. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You know, yeah. you're right about you're right. You're right about Pino. Yeah, that's a 
I just, she, she's played like, I mean, she's just, I feel like she's been re- really important to me for a really long time at this yeah. point. And, um, yeah, just the culmination of like the stuff that she's been doing, like the justice oriented work mm. that she, um, mm-hmm. pushes herself to do and pushes others to do and stuff. Like in addition to just her, if, if we're talking about someone with like unbelievable gifts, you know, like just yeah. like you watch this person play and it's electric. You see the effect she has on her teammates and it's like, what the fuck? You know, like she literally, I am a person who doesn't care to play soccer. I never played soccer as a child. And like, I'll watch Megan Rapinoe and be like, man, I, I wish I want to go out and play soccer. So I feel like that's, yeah. that's something. That's something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Patrice, who's your Jean McFoot? <laughs> I feel like there needs to be a drinking game for this episode. <laughs> Every time we say Jean McFoot. Is it not just what we're doing constantly? Taking, taking, no, for, no, for the people listening. Uh, oh, ooh, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. not for us. We're already We're always drinking. playing a drinking game when we record. We're already <laughs> drinking. <laughs> they probably think we're functioning drunks. Yeah. Um, I don't know yeah. that I idolize anyone. <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> Teens are drooling and, and we're, we're drinking. Okay. Oh God, <laughs> drooling. Uh, I don't know if I idolize anyone like that. Um, I think I can like recognize and appreciate like extreme talent in people, um, but I don't think that there's anyone who I'm like, yeah, that person is someone who's like so meaningful in my life because of their talent. Hmm. So I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Interesting. I'm so fascinated by the, by the lack of idolatry among these co-hosts. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, that is interesting. I'll say it's surprising to me that Burke has a Jean McFoot. Like that kind of so? came out of nowhere for me. Oh, I think that tracks really well with his character. I think I think of Burke as being a pretty egotistical guy, like not in the mm-hmm. same obvious way that Derek is, but Burke is a deeply arrogant man. Mm-hmm. And so having an idol would mean believing in someone else's greatness and superiority and something. And so I think that's why it's like weird for me that he has a, he has a Gene McFoot. Yeah, but... It, It'd be I like Derek see, having a Gene like, McFoot. I'd be like, what? what? As you can see, though, it's like someone who's like so just like astronomically at the top of their oh, game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the way he talks about it is is fairly meaningful. I mean, I, I had problems with this with this arc and, and with Burke just kind of as a character because I'm finding it very difficult to separate my feelings about the actor from my feelings about the mm. character. A character that I know mm. I enjoyed when I used to watch Grey's. I, I actively enjoyed Burke, Preston Burke. Um, so that could be part of it too. But but I, I feel like if I put on my objectivity hat, like his, his performance was good and like his, his speech about what foot meant to him was meaningful and and was moving you know yeah mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. practiced yeah that's what christina said yeah. you practiced yeah you practiced. i know and then he just says <laughs> like, i practiced I, I just like can't help but feel like she's a little condescending she's like oh you had to practice <laughs> <laughs> 
actually like, a question. Oh. You practiced? <laughs> She's like, what, what now? <laughs> <laughs> to um let's move on to rose how about that yeah yeah let's move on to rose another meaty case um i i knew that this case was coming and i really like this case because it's just so fucking upsetting it's so upsetting and appalling and just like whatever i forgot that she was i forgot that she so this patient is a, a religious woman she's catholic i thought maybe she was like quiverful um, I don't think those exist. And I think that would be the case in 2019. That's yeah. what I said in my notes. She wouldn't be Catholic. Catholics are passe. Um, she'd be <laughs> quiverful for sure. Uh, and she already has how many children? Five? This is the seventh. This, oh Six. my gosh. This is she seven. Has, this is, okay, so she's about to have her seventh child. And she wants Addison to tie her tubes while she's in there. But to complicate the situation, just she can't, there can't be any trace that this happened. Um... So it has to look like an accident, like something went wrong in the procedure. Right. She says her husband isn't a cafeteria <clears throat> Catholic, Christian or yeah, whatever. Yeah, or whatever the he fuck. He can't choose what yeah. he wants from the buffet or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And um, and so it's really upsetting. And Addison is like, I, I don't know. She's like, you know, I can do it. I don't have to tell your husband. There's no reason he needs to have your medical information, right? And the woman is like, yeah, but if I'm billed for insurance, he'll see it. You know, just so many like red flags where it's like, mm-hmm. like this isn't a this is an abusive relationship kind of that like you have su- like you yeah. live in such fear of your husband, and I'm not necessarily judging her husband's moral uh, standards or his like religious beliefs. I no. am judging the level of fear she has about her husband's reaction mm-hmm. to her moral beliefs and religious beliefs differing from his. And so just a lot of things like he'll know, he'll be able to find out, he'll be able to trace this, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I, I find it just like a really compelling case. And the woman is someone that I feel like I'm really on board with until the kind of the end of the episode. <laughs> Um, where there's a little bit of a plot twist in my opinion, but what did you guys think of this case? Because I felt strongly as I was rewatching this episode that I still really enjoyed the case. I enjoyed Karev is the, um, intern that, uh, Addison takes on because he's a real misogynist to her early in the morning after she has had the most boring sex of her life with Derek. So she's pretty over men and Karev decides to be like, well, I don't do vaginas. Unless I'm, like, doing vaginas. Um, so we get some Karev-Addison tension, which is fun. Uh, but I just was like, there's no way that Addison would ultimately pretend that there was bleeding to the point that she had to cauterize this woman's fallopian tubes, mm-hmm. which is what Addison ultimately does. And you don't think she I would. just don't believe it. I don't think she would do that. That's crazy. That's like no doctor would do that. That's cra- like you're just that is a lawsuit. I mean, just give the money to the patient before they even go in. Then if you're that's what you're going to do, like that's just money that's gone. You just burnt a pile of cash. Right. Well, I feel like the <laughs> responsible <laughs> thing for Addison to do would have been to say, OK, we won't bill insurance for it. Like Rose says, I've saved for this and I have money yep. to pay for mm-hmm. it. Yep. So just like pay for it in that way 
The husband still doesn't have to know. It's above board. It's not billed to the insurance. I don't know why that wasn't the route, but I mean, I know why that wasn't the the route that they went because that's not a good story. But <laughs> it's pretty anticlimactic. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I agree. It doesn't make sense that Addison would put her reputation and her career on the line because there's no way that like you know people wouldn't have been reviewing the case. And say, like, oh, this is the fucking weirdest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, but I, like, I understand that she was trying to give the patient what she wanted, but I don't think that she would sacrifice her career to do it. Yeah, her reputation. I mean, she says she's one of the foremost fetal something neonatal 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 surgeons (laughs) fetal (laughs) i don't know but megan you you see it like you see it for addison i totally i mean she is crazy i I really see it and i think yeah and i think that like maybe it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning that we're like kind of trying to figure out who addison is right because Mm. she is like a huge Bad, you know, like I love how at the end of the episode she's like so spent and her reputation is on the line. And like, I don't know how she hasn't been fired yet, but somehow she's still a doctor there. And she's like, her punishment to Krev is that she's gonna teach him. And like, you know, she has this like really badass moment. And so I think that like it's oh, it's confusing to me when they try to flex Addison as both badass and like really awkward and strange. Yeah. Um, but I think that this is like a badass moment and also a moment of unbelievable, unrealistic oversight. Or not oversight, but like unrealistic behavior in a doctor, right? Like there's, and our doctors do this all the time, right? We're going to see it soon with Izzy, which has like way more repercussions than most of the other doctors who do similar things, right? I'm thinking of an episode seasons into the future when a patient's um, insurance is going to run out at midnight and Bailey fudges the time on her sheets, right? And it's like, that's Dr. Bailey, who's like the more reason, you know, the most reasonable, arguably of all of these doctors. And so I think that... Like, when you take the time to watch an episode over and over again and record a podcast about an episode, like, it's easy to, like, really tease that apart. But for me, like, you could do that about any one of these doctors Mm. in most episodes and argue that, like, they're making decisions that, like, maybe wouldn't happen in the real world but feel in line to me with the reality of the show. Um, and maybe, and maybe that's just, you know, my read on it. Um, but I really do think that she's like reaching her patient. I do think that like you all, you know, there's definitely a point to be made that there was a better way to do this that achieves the same outcome without Addison, you know, losing her job or having a lawsuit or whatever it might be. Um, but I, I do see it. I see her, like, I see her sort of badassery here of just like, no, like, I'm going to take this into my own hands. I have issue with that, like, it wasn't just Addison alone in the operating room and it wasn't just Addison and Karev, right? There's, like, a slew of doctors there with her who all saw her do Incredible. that. Incredible, yes. Um, which I think is, like, another piece that makes it, like, more unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, my theory on this particular case, though, is that we've been, like, every week I feel like we're talking about <laughs> Karev and, like, how he's like too they're trying to like make us believe that he's being too truthful with patients or too honest in like an aggressive way and we've talked about how it's like it's always kind of like flirting with that line of like oh it's bold but it's not totally wrong and like yeah. it got the patient to do what they wanted it to do and my theory with this case is that finally they're trying to push Alex over that line right they're trying to because of what we know is going to happen soon enough they're trying to push Alex 
into the non-negotiable territory of being too honest with a patient and and ultimately putting his patient at risk with being honest. Mm. Um, And I think that um, that's sort of like how I see this case actually. It's like not really about Addison. To me, it's much more about Alex and painting him as like a, you know, the asshole that we know that who, you know, the crev of the week was named after and sort of pushing him to be like, no, he is being too honest and he does need to be reined in. And like, it's not negotiable at this point because he's so That's so fascinating to me because I felt like Karev was the hero of this episode at like several points, several points. Like number one, I think he makes a salient observation with the wife. They're having this deeply like problematic conversation about the husband. And Karev is like, What's he going to do? Divorce you? (laughs) Not wrong, Alex Karev. What's he going to do? Literally commit what is considered or at that time was considered like a cardinal sin in the Catholic faith? No! Like, wait, like, what's he going to... There's nothing he can do because in the same way that he's trying to restrict you because of his unbelievable, like, unbelievably... um, by the book, the holy book way of living, he's restricted by those same values, right? So, like, the consequences are not really going to be consequences in this marriage. Like, he doesn't have any recourse. What, like, he's going to have a trial separation? Never fucking going to happen. Then in the OR, he's telling Addison that he's uncomfortable with this, that it's not right, that they can't just clip this woman's tubes. I disagree with his reasoning, that the husband should be aware of it. I disagree with that because who the fuck cares what a man knows about a single other woman's body? It doesn't matter. I don't care if you think you have some sort of ownership through, you know, legal or spiritual marriage, right? But the point is he's uncomfortable with it. Addison makes him go along with it anyway. And Karev is really smart in the OR when Addison states for the record that she sees abnormal bleeding and Addison, uh, excuse me, Karev pauses and says, I don't see any abnormal bleeding. And I did not think that was an asshole move. I think that was a covering my ass move. And it was, again, yeah. it was super smart. Like, good for you, Karev. You're an intern. You're not Addison Montgomery Shepherd. Right. You're not in a point right. in your career where you could take that kind of risk. And then later, yeah. you know, the father pretty reasonably is like, what the hell happened in this surgery? Mm-hmm. The husband, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, Alex kind of snitches but again i really just think like that alex is like the voice of the people here where he's like mm. i'm thinking of the seven kids you need to put through college i don't think he is though like, <laughs> i don't know I don't man alex so. I don't i'm totally is. i'm like yeah i disagree i you feel like those a- kids through alex college. in this entire case just comes off like a petulant child mm. like he's angry that addison has chosen him for her service and so he's fucking rude as fuck which to is feminine and and yeah know, he doesn't do worth, vaginas yeah he's angry as soon as he's talking to the patient in a fucking inappropriate way um and just like the way that he is talking to and treating both addison and rose is totally inappropriate he's just angry and at what you have yeah. to do your job your job is to be on this service today and i f- just feel like but being on that service that day involved doing something highly unethical that is also true but see he is still unethical because he was also in the room when rose asked for the tubal ligation and literally he could have just told the husband your wife asked us for a tubal ligation literally he was in the room and could have told the chief or whoever's questioning him that rose asked for a tubal ligation 
But that, but then that's why he tells the guy, he's like, you got seven kids. I'm thinking about you putting them through college. I don't know. I think that mm. we, we know that Alex comes from a, from a poor background. Like we know that that's kind of his story. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I don't know. I don't think that that moment with the husband is insincere. Actually. I don't think he's doing I don't it for think, the people. I don't think it I think saves he's mad him from being an asshole. asshole. I don't think it saves him from being an asshole, but I don't think it's totally insincere. I agree, Megan. I think he's being vengeful. He's mm-hmm. mad at Addison. Yeah. And he's saying, like, you should go for the jugular, basically, to this husband. He's mm-hmm. not thinking about their seven kids. He doesn't give a fuck about children at this point. Yeah. No. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think he does. I think that he's, like, I think that he is, I think he is out for Addison here. Yeah. I don't think that he has empathy in his heart for for this family for this woman i think he's angry at the woman for not standing up for herself and i think he's angry at the husband for not being better and i think he sees the kids as victims but i think that he is out for i think he sees that addison did something she shouldn't have done and he's out for her career and i think that that's equally i think that's equally awful Right. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm not trying to excuse what Addison did or necessarily say that it's okay in the real world, but I don't think that, I don't think that, that Alex's um, heart or intentions are in the right place at all. Not that there's like a clear right place. Like, obviously, it's a super morally ambiguous case and episode. Um, but I think that, I think he's trying to ruin her career. And I think that that's like where we see his like total like immaturity and youth and like reactive decision making that makes him like a really hard character to like early on his emotional dysregulation uh yeah Yeah. i agree just at all points in this case he's trying to get himself kicked out of it like that's why he's being so Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. rude and angry to rose like when they leave the room he's like if you want to kick me off this case i'm great i I don't know how to talk to patients he's purposefully being that way yeah yeah. I guess it's not it's not that I disagree with that. I mean, because he is he is unbelievably terrible to start out this episode and then just continues having the worst possible attitude for the rest of the episode. But I guess for me I'm like, can it be a little bit of, of column A and a little bit of column B? Right? Like oh, for I, sure. I feel like he he's vengeful and he's he's a misogynist dick at this point in the show. And I also think he does feel something about how unmanageable that family is. Mm. And I think it does, like, activate him in some way that is sincere. I, like, yeah, I think, well, I think it that's does true for- trigger something about his own, his own background mm-hmm. that he has sort of the response that he does with, with the husband at the end. I I think that's for sure true. And I think that's true with Addison, right? Like, I think we're both supposed to believe that what she did was right and what she did was wrong. Yeah. You know, like, I think that's the whole point of this case. Like, I actually think this is kind of an interesting episode because I think that all of the cases are sort of standalone cases. It's kind of a standalone episode in the sense that, like, sure, there's foreshadowing and sure, there's some character development. (laughs) Sure, Denny's still around. (laughs) I guess. Um, But I think that, like... You know, the first, you know, the first case we talked about of, of Jean McFoot and then whose, you know, relevance is, is is there, but it's pretty subtle and it's pretty unnecessary in terms of what's going to happen next. I think that there's not a whole lot of purpose here other than to, you know, understand the like moral ambiguities of these two characters. And I think even getting into my biggest critique of the next case that we're going to talk about is, is her name Miss Kramer? I don't know if that's right. The woman who has this grabber. Kind of She's seizure grabber. lady okay, so in my I, notes. Her name 
name so. is Gwyn Grabber, yeah. huh. which is like a Grabber? fucking really name. weird yeah. names this episode. Gwyn yeah. Grabber. Who who was the writer? Yeah, Elizabeth. No wonder Clavider. I struggled. Okay, well, right, maybe sure. she was so, just like, I've well, got a weird like, last name. I got a weird name. name. Everybody else is gonna have a weird last name too. How about that, McFoot? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and I don't, I don't mean to over, you know, transition us too quickly no, here if we still have do. stuff to no, talk yeah, about with we gotta move on. Grab, But I think that um, my, I, I love this case yeah. of Mrs. Grabber. She's like, I, I love this woman. So she's a, a divorce attorney. She's having seizures. <laughs> They're trying to figure out why, what is causing her seizures. And, and George and Izzy get this really fun task of like trying to trigger her seizures with like Derek's blessing. Um, and it just seems like an all around, like really delightful day for all of them. But um, to, to my previous point, um, George and Izzy are like, they're apparently they're like best friends, but now they're like broken up for some reason. <laughs> so and there's weird. like a conflict between their friendship. And I guess I feel like this case makes sense with all of the other cases because it like starts and finishes in this episode. Yeah. Right. Like you believe that they're best friends, that there was a conflict and that they've sort of made up all in one episode. And it's like really completely irrelevant. Like it really doesn't matter. And I get that they're doing like a really, really, really slow build up to the, to the Denny, you know, sort of finale of this episode and, and the way that this sort of group of friends is, is compromised and made stronger and whatnot. Um, and maybe this is all super subtle build up to that. But um, I do really feel like all of these cases are sort of like, I, and I, I agree. I really like this episode, but, but like it, none of them feel sort of super meaningful in terms of like the overall arc of where we're at in this series. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. I, yeah, I found it. <laughs> it's just a fun one to watch. It seems like the best gig that any intern has gotten so far. Kind of just like, yeah. play these video games, eat these donuts, right. you get drink to all fuck this around. coffee. Yeah. There's a moment, there's a moment when, um, uh, you know, Shepard walks in to check in on, on the interns and on the patient and (laughs) Izzy has just like a full donut in her mouth and just like (laughs) says to the woman, like tries, tries to cover it up and it just says, like says to the woman, remember what a good progress. (laughs) And I was like, wow, I actually really liked Izzy in that moment. That was was a nice moment of levity. (laughs) Yeah, this. Should we case, talk a little bit about Denny then? Because yeah, I was like, this, this case, case doesn't really up. do yeah. anything. No, or it was fun to anything. watch, but like, I will say, I'm like, sense. when do they establish that George and Izzy are best friends? I don't know. Where does I that come question. from? Like, what What's the timeline of their best friendship? Because I missed when it happened. Yeah. Yep, Izzy but is they like are. <laughs> very protective of her best friend, and I'm like. What are you talking about? Right. When did you become what best What are you talking about? I think that they think that we're supposed to think that they're best friends because Izzy's the only one who doesn't, like, actively make fun of George. True. I, and maybe. so, I guess, that's or maybe probably they what become George's best friends. best friends have always looked like. Just people who don't actively <laughs> shit on him constantly. Maybe they've become best friends, like, behind the scenes while we're not watching when they were living together, like, after he was feeling, you know, quote-unquote, emasculated <laughs> by... Izzy and Meredith, but I'm just like, when did you? Wasn't that like a day? And then he I moved know. in with Callie in the cellar of the hospital. The cellar? Yeah. Do you think hospitals have cellars? Yeah, it's a wine cellar. Okay, actually, <laughs> I was gonna say, is there yes, wine? Obviously. <laughs> Uh, let's talk yeah, about let's, Denny. Let's talk about Denny real quick. Let's talk about the great movement, thing that happens finally. with Denny's yes. case. Finally. Yes. What happens? Tell me what happens with Denny's case finally. The holy saint of Miranda Bailey <laughs> comes on the case 
to do actual medicine. <laughs> yep. Yep. And realizes with quickness that Izzy has an inappropriate relationship with Denny. Why has no one else fucking realized this, even though she's in his room at every waking because hour? Because who was in charge before? Fucking Burke. <laughs> idiot. <laughs> yeah. What an idiot. Um... Yeah, it's it's like it it finally feels like there's going to be some responsibility and accountability for the ways in which this uh doctor patient relationship has blown past all all mm-hmm. boundaries. <laughs> all of them. Um and the the episode sort of ends with uh Bailey seeing Jenny and uh, Izzy hugging, embracing, yeah. because he in finally has his way. LVAD like, backpack, yeah. and so he can get out of the hospital bed. <laughs> yes. Right? Um, yeah. Whew. So I feel like the, I gotta the, say, yeah. the least important thing in this case is that Denny gets a portable LVAD. I feel like the important <laughs> things in this case are that someone realizes that Izzy's gonna fucking lose her medical license. Yep. And also that yep. this this narrative around Miranda being uh, mommy tracked mm. by Chief. Right. And I I don't know Which why. But he admits to. He does. He, he does. Admits to it. He says this monologue and it's delivered in a way, and I don't know if you guys We're agree. supposed to agree with it. Yes, him. it deliver he delivers it in a way where we're yes. supposed to see his perspective that he's just being thoughtful about the strain of a new mother back to work right and it's like fuck you you literally just admitted to treating one of your employees differently because she's back from maternity leave and i was like bailey should have turned heel and gone immediately to hr and i think it was megan who was like where is that spinoff like where's the one-off on Grey's Anatomy? Like, Grey's Anatomy Seattle HR is HR. very fucking busy. I would watch that spinoff. They, though. Oh my god, incredible! I totally would. And you know, it's got to just be like a straight comedy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like there can be no drama just like oh god, just not like, again with these it's fucking like, dummies. Uh, the doctors like, are it's having the sex office, again, but it's I was it's like the human resources. Oh my god, thinking, you know? it's like the office, but there's fifteen Tobies, and they're all just like. What the fuck is this? Yep. So much just deadpan <laughs> staring into the camera. Yeah. They're at it again. <laughs> Literally, they're <laughs> fucking in the room next to my office. <laughs> um, yeah, so I feel, yeah, I don't have anything to say about Denny because I'm honestly just, I don't like Denny and I'm tired of him. Yeah. But, um... I am glad that there's movement on, yeah, realizing that Izzy is crossing a line. And also just, I forgot, I just really, really forgot how much kind of of an asshole the chief is in these beginning Mm. episodes. Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like in later seasons, the chief is flawed and he's vulnerable, but he's, he's, you know, he's the chief. He's like everyone's go-to for, you know, support and I'm just like, why are you doing these things? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's awful. <laughs> or he has, I guess he's not awful. He has like these really awful moments that make you question his wisdom yeah. when you're, he's supposed to like be this sort of like beloved wise character. Right. And it's like, I don't, you know, you have moments yeah. where you like really, really question We definitely that. haven't really seen the wise moments yet. Not yet. Like we haven't seen, right. we haven't seen this wisdom We've seen his incredible surgical skill, and that that is something. That's not nothing, but 
we definitely he has not become the the sort of wise yeah. fellow that i feel he'll like become in a few later. in a few seasons we get a lot of like chief monologuing yeah to, like bring the people up yeah and we're not really there yet yeah and maybe mm-hmm. it's is he even a season regular or a series regular that's at this a really point? good question i'm not entirely yeah, sure if he is. i just feel like James he keeps Pickens. popping out of nowhere and being like what's going on <laughs> i'm gonna insert myself in this inappropriately <laughs> you're a mom now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and it's it's also of course i mean the great irony is that he's so worried about bailey um and bailey dealing with the strain of motherhood and whatever and coming back full time to be a surgical resident and is missing what's right in front of his fucking face with izzy and denny that like no you you actually mm-hmm. do have a real problem here and you do have a doctor who's stepping out of line and needs to be um, there needs to be some kind of intervention, and you you went with the absolute wrong target. <laughs> Is that all of our yeah. cases? Should we go there? ahead and yeah. wrap up with our M and M's? Morbidity and mortality. Great, that's the sound cue now. It's not. <laughs> I said one, one teardrop, one point five. Yeah, hey, nice. I said not too sad, but there there are some like tragic moments, mm-hmm. you know, where like you can feel that like the patients are or the doctors really more are having like tough times, but not too sad. Yeah, yeah. I said n- no tears, zero tears. No, yeah. no tears. Yeah, no tears for me. No tears, no tears. On call room. I said uh, it's the unseen sex between Meredith and the vet. But they don't have sex. I know. No, they don't. But I he imagine says, that whatever says, they did in that room sex. was a lot hotter than any of the sex we did see. That's, that's yeah, largely my Yeah, I called all point. the sex, yeah. You know? that I called the sex this week the just examples of the anti-on-call room. Yeah. Gross. Like, yeah. they're just not, they were not it's good. Off-call room. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Regular shift room. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's asleep actually in this call room. The office call room. Just, yeah. <laughs> uh, the HR department. <laughs> Chief resident. Uh whoa. What about song of the week? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I think our notes are in different orders. Oh, gotcha. I'm sorry. Oh. Uh, it's not gonna surprise you to know that I have a specific order that I repeat every That doesn't week. surprise me at all. Yes. I have a template, actually, and I just copy it. Anyway. Um, song of the week. Wow. When Metric came in, I mm. was hyped. I was ready. I motherfucking <laughs> love that song. The Police and the Private. Oh, my God. Sing it for us. Uh, the Police and the Private. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that and song. Pilot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> very recognizable. <laughs> Man, it's a good throwback, though. I haven't listened to Metric in a long time. Get straight, wait here while I try to find the exit sign. When will you stop asking strangers? No one wants what we want. Keep one eye on the door. Keep one eye on the back. Never expect to be sure you're working for the police. Um, I I had Better Man by James Morrison. Great. Um, 
I I like James Morrison quite a bit. He has kind of like a Ray LaMontagne kind Mm -hmm. of raspy voice that I'm totally here for. And it was also during the like the horse birthing scene, but like just sort of this delightful moment for Meredith. Um, But I like this song and I like this moment because it's like you think that it's hopeful, but it's actually sad. There was a time I had nothing to give I needed shelter Which is like the definition of a good song for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's really beautifully used. A great song. Yeah, I think it's like a really, really it's a nice song. I think it's it's used very effectively. Uh I didn't have a song of the week. I don't know. Wow, yeah. Really? I like Metric and I like James Morrison. And I don't know if it's just like, I'm like, did I listen? Did I watch this episode on mute or something? Because <laughs> it's just, just too much to focus on. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I didn't uh, register any of the music yeah. in this episode. I like that none of us went with the violin solo we were treated to. Mm. Ba- Bach. I think it was Bach. Was it? It was Bach. It was lovely. Yeah. yeah. Which I feel like it's pretty bold to attribute gene mcfoot to bach <laughs> no it's that he was like, playing bach no he was definitely playing uh, bach yeah, yeah it not wasn't that like he wrote oh, i thought it was original i thought we were trying to say that it was an original gene mcfoot <laughs> no it's not, just it's... him playing bach if we yeah. ever okay. uh, start a gray's anatomy um cover band where we just cover all the music of gray's anatomy i think we should consider calling ourselves the gene mcfoot band Oh great! You know, great, great. Yeah. what yeah. instrument oh, yeah. do you play, Teresa? Uh, tambourine. Oh great! Discussed. Cool, cool. Yeah. It's gonna be a really fucking weird band. <laughs> well, it's I only show. play flute and ukulele. <laughs> so, <laughs> Megan, I only play the mini violin. Oh, it's really yeah. cool. Oh, mini- <laughs> nice. Just a MIDI keyboard full of violin songs. Yeah. Great. That's this right. band is That's gonna right. be fucking. It's killer. a niche for sure. But <laughs> what's the uh, what's the death tally for this episode? Uno. Yeah. Just, I think it's uh, just Gene McFoot. Just Gene uh, McFoot. Yeah. Yeah. One McFoot. I said it's from a Catholic sa- perspective, one to eight. Mm. If we're factoring in yeah. seven hypothetical future unborn children. Just just yep. the Catholic angle. You think they would have seven more? Well, she already had seven. So I'm saying her top end yeah. is another seven. Okay. That's how I did my okay. She also looks like she's Showing only about work. 33. So yeah, she's got, she's got plenty of... <sighs> To pop yeah. them out. Oh my sure. god! Stop that! Don't yeah. say pop them out. Isn't that awful? <laughs> I know. So the saddest, saddest um, death is, is McFoot. Okay, great. It's, it's not that. Yes. <laughs> I mean, sad, again, sad. Catholic perspective. I said the hypothetical future unborn unborn children. Obviously, mm. obviously, obviously, obviously. Yep. Um. What about the 007? Who'd you guys have? <laughs> I said, <laughs> well. I said Addison. I was like, that's just, you really, you fucked up, Addison. And I don't understand why you did that because you didn't have to. Um, But I also said that O'Malley and Stevens had one job this week. And it was to cause a seizure in their patient and observe, Mm -hmm. like, like, observe the seizure and map it. And they failed to recognize when she had her seizure because they were bickering. Well, they did cause that it. That is accurate. Though. They caused it, but they weren't paying any atti- attention to their patient when it happened. True. That's true. Kind of bad. That's sort of bad. <laughs> so, uh, Teresa, I want to pull on your thread for a second of the 007. Mm-hmm. So, you said the 007 was Addison. Who did you say your chief resident was? My chief resident. I said Miranda Bailey. 
Oh, okay. Okay. I had a theory that we had opposite 007s and chief residents. Because I said Karev was the 007. Oh, no. I said I think he's the Karev he... of the week, though. Mm. Oh, yeah, for sure. But I do think that for, for me, he was the 007 because I think that he his intentions were misappropriated and it caused him to not treat his patient in the way that I think was best. Right. Yeah. What did you think, Patrice? Who was your 007? <laughs> uh, I think technically it's Burke because his patient actually died. Sure. Yeah. He he, mm. he, he killed someone. <laughs> I like how not just anyone, but his Gene McFlood. He killed, he killed his own Gene McFlood. And he did it kind of against his own medical advice. So I yeah. feel like that's, that's a good that's one. That's true. It's a low-key great choice. Yeah, it is. It is. I really like how, like, database that decision was for you. <laughs> I mean, you can always count on Patrice for having, a, like, a methodical answer. Double yeah, seven. I really appreciate is it. Is that an insult? I can't <laughs> tell. No, it definitely is Are you insulting me? It certainly is not. I'm just very oh, logical. No. No, did we admirable. all say that Karev is the Karev of the week? I certainly did. I did. Oh, who did you say? <laughs> Ooh, I said it was the chief. Say? Oh, because yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, which, like, yeah, I just said, I'm yeah. just really tired of the storyline in which Bailey is unfit to do her job because she's a mom. It's mm-hmm. just really tired, mm-hmm. and I'm tired of it. I'm tired of him questioning mm-hmm. her. I'm tired of him just like always poking around. Yeah, <laughs> just tired of it. Yeah, <laughs> go away. <laughs> go back to your office, um, chief. Yeah. Chief resident, I I had Addison. I thought that what she did was bold, and, bold, you know, very bold, and I like that. And wow. I also don't know that like I necessarily think that somebody else. Like I think that I my my backup is is maybe Bailey for finally being on Denny's case and finally like seemingly actually sort of like grabbing the horse by the reins in mm. this in Denny's case. Um, both giving him the Elvad and also calling Izzy and trying to like, I feel like she walked into the room and was like, what the fuck is happening here? Um, yeah. And I really like that. Um, but I don't know. I really see, I see the Addison magic in this episode. Yeah. I do not, but she I sparkled said, her eyes at you, Megan. <laughs> sparkled them. <laughs> I said Miranda Bailey, as, like she I did. said before, just because of the yeah. Izzy Denny stuff. I also gave it to Miranda Mostly because yeah. I just think the that... The one adult in the room. Well, she's the one adult in the room, and she actually did competent medical work. It's yeah. like her patient was in distress. Mm-hmm. She fixed that distress. <laughs> she was a good doctor this yeah. week. <laughs> Look Again, at that data. It is. It, it's data. <laughs> Derek didn't do answers. shit for his patient. That's true. You know? He was just annoyed. He just Bert killed his patient. Life. He didn't do anything no, he in really this didn't. episode. He really didn't. Lots of people didn't do anything he, in this episode. Yeah. He was so nasty to Meredith. I'm still upset about it. Um, I did actually have a line of the week this week, um, mm, and so it's I. because I think of it, <laughs> I think of it often, anytime vets are brought up, in fact, and at one point, Christina Yang says out loud to Meredith, you can't date a vet, he's not even a real doctor, <laughs> and I'm ashamed to admit that I think that every time I hear anything related to a vet. I'm like, oh, animals need care Simon too. A real doctor. <laughs> they do. I know, and they I believe that, and I love and vets. Parts. I love vets, and obviously they're real doctors. But the disdain that just drips <laughs> with that sentence. Yeah, Christina really as at is she sort of at <laughs> Christina in this episode? <laughs> you know, in her like she just like her cold dead heart is just like on display in this episode of like I. 
like she can't even find any empathy for anyone for any reason in this episode like it's like she's just surrounded with by only idiots is how she feels in this episode and <laughs> which like, is kind of true really like yeah 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 you'd yeah. think she and yeah. bailey would yeah. get along better but um my line of the week was earlier <laughs> when patrice said you can tell a lot about a man by the way he handles the placenta <laughs> I forgot I also, that like, is I, the that is the absolute line of the week. And the reason I will say that the reason that I didn't have a line of the week because I kept like kind of listening for it. Sometimes I forget to listen for it. Is I found there to be so many infuriating lines <laughs> in this episode <laughs> oh, that I was vagina. like I was just completely clouded. <laughs> yeah. Um so that's why I'm glad to now have one from this episode. Yeah, Alex had a lot of fucking stupid lines. <laughs> terrible. They were stupid really idiot. like painting the misogyny brush on just like thick with it was painful what else did he say it was something like do i look like i want to hear about yeast and tingling feelings Mm -hmm. or something i don't know Mm -hmm. i'm just like ah just yeah yeah just evolve already exactly they're they're really like laying it on thick with alex yeah um my line of the week was from uh the seizure lady what's her name gwen Gwen Grabber, the, where she says, well, I'm not seizing, but I'm having an acid flashback. Does that count? <laughs> I just, I laughed out loud when she said that. I wrote that line down, too. <laughs> that was, like, the one really, I don't know why I laughed so hard at that. It's really solid. She's a great actress. I just really like her character. Yeah, that's a, that's a really yeah. fun character. Where is that that's actress really from? Character. I know, just, she seemed really familiar to yeah. me, so. She's from something. Yeah. Something. Neat. She's in like a Geico hey guys, Google it. that we see yeah. all the time. Uh, please write into us. Tell us where this actress is from. If you're a hot vet and you know where this actress is right. from. Right. Send us sure your pic us. of you shirtless Code with Grace at gmail.com. <laughs> and also tell us about this actress. <laughs> did we have a medical fact right. of the week? I don't think we did. Oh, I don't have a medical no. fact of the week. We don't even know what pacemakers do. We're not at all prepared oh, wow. for That's a medical fact of the week. I just think... Like, there hasn't been a ton of interesting medicine on the show in the last few episodes. Yeah. Um, I think, I think if I could push back a little bit, I think that what is happening medically with Denny is probably pretty interesting, Mm. but Denny is such a loathsome character and storyline that we can't see it. Maybe. Yep. (laughs) Maybe. Um, yeah, but I, I wrote this and then I didn't look into it, but I think that brain mapping is really interesting. Oh yeah. Uh, I, like, I, I just, want my brain map. Sure. Yeah. And I just, uh, I was thinking about there's a Ted talk and maybe we can link to it by, uh, this Dr. Helen Fisher about, uh, brain mapping or functional MRIs mm. and like where to see where things mm. come from. And then that led down a rabbit hole to a local, uh, like Minneapolis rapper, Dessa did this whole project mm-hmm. where she used functional MRIs to map like where her love feelings came from to try to oh. get over her ex-boyfriend and oh, re- wow. reprogram her brain. Also, we should link to that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, Absolutely. Yes. I'm very excited to fall down that rabbit hole myself. So thank you, Patrice. <laughs> fall down it. Yes. <laughs> All right, well, that's our show for this week. Um, You can find us, as always, on Twitter at code underscore grays underscore. You can find us on Facebook. We do have a Code Grays Facebook page. Like us, 
join a page. What, what do we sure, do out be there? Be a fan. I don't know. Um, <laughs> grandmas, the grandmas yeah, out there. Yeah, right, yeah grandmas, Facebook. if you're out there and you're watching, um, listening, uh, you can also email us truly if you like. If you would like to explain what a pacemaker does, and you're frustrated that. We did not share that information. You know, you can email us. I'm not saying that we're going to share it with the public, but we'll know. And that's exciting. Um, our email is mm. codegrays at gmail.com. You can find us on Stitcher, on iTunes, on Acast, on Podbean. Pretty sure that's it. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's yeah. not bad. If you're still listening and not completely annoyed with us, yeah, subscribe. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a nice review. If you don't have anything nice to say, shove it. Yeah. And shut on up. that note, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Love you. Thanks. We'll see you next week. Oh my god. <laughs>